What's up, fam? It's your girl, Yvonne, and welcome to the Authorized Move Podcast. Guys, I am super excited about tonight's episode because I have an amazing guest. Silah Ward is a TED Talk speaker, a former attorney. She is currently a financial advisor and business architect. She's a grassroots organizer, and she is internationally recognized as a pioneer of women of color and radical diversity and the LGBT community. She's also one of the top female slam poets in the world, and she gives a unique opportunity to bring both enlightenment and entertainment. So guys, please welcome to the show. What's going on, Miss Sala? What's going on, Yvonne? Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, I'm honored to have you on. So before we even jump into the interview, you have to tell us about what's coming up for you. Tell us about this TED Talk. Like, I'm super like, when can we see it? You know, when is it going to come on? We need to set our, 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 what is it called? What is the thing that you said? The DVR. We need to set our DVR. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So um, we did the TED Talk in majority. Madrid, Spain, which was so amazing. It was beautiful at St. Louis University. Um, and we did it back on, we did it in April, but it's going to be um, launched in June. So they don't give us an exact date because they like it to be a surprise for everybody, um, but it should be out before June 15th. So everybody be sure to check out TED.com, the website, as well as their YouTube channel. Um, you can search the name of the TED Talk is Leadership and Diversity Lessons from the Bar. And there's some secret sauce in there too, you know, so that, you know, once you listen to it, you'll understand what the bar means. Um, so make sure you check it out. So you can you can search that on YouTube um, as well as the TED Talk uh, website. It'll also be streamed on certain television stations as well. Um, and then you can also look for St. Louis University Madrid to look at their history of TED Talks to be able to find it under Salah Ward. And you also have to be able to spell my name because it's spelled a little differently. It's N-S-E-L-A-A. The N is silent to be able to look me up. But definitely, I want you guys to definitely check it out. It's coming out before June 15th. Um, and then make some comments under it and, and let me know, you know what you guys think. Awesome. So guys, make sure you are on the lookout. That is Miss Salah Ward. N-S-E-L-A-A-W-A-R-D. Keep an, an eye out for that TEDx talk. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing, amazing speech. So it is um, my honor to have you on the podcast. I am so honored and I am grateful that you chose this platform to share not only your story with us because... When you told me about your story, I was like, wow, I was amazed. And I know that when other people hear your story, it is definitely going to uplift people. I believe your story is a story of hope. And so uh, not only are you here to tell us your story, but you're going to share with us some amazing things that you are doing. And so everybody, welcome to the Authorized Move podcast, Miss Silla Ward. That's right. Thank you so much for having me, Yvonne. I'm so excited also. You know, I, I definitely want, I want to thank you for the prayer that, that you gave I, a little bit before this interview it, it really helped to to make sure that this 
this discussion that we're having is based on spiritual foundation. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. But thank you definitely for having me. I'm, I'm excited. So, Sila, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I don't know how far back you want to go, but tell us a little bit about who you are. Where Where are you from? How did you get started in what you're doing now? Well, I would say that I, I, I got started in what I'm doing now. I got it started a long time ago. I, ironically, I would say I got started about 30 years ago. But um, I got started in, in the middle of trailer parks and, and crack houses. <laughs> um, a lot of people, you know, don't really know my story because they see, you know, they, they see the attorney or they see the business architect. They see the things that I'm doing today. But I think it's really, really important to know where we came from. Because when I was younger, I didn't see anybody that looked like me. I didn't see anybody that went through the things that I went through. And it made it, hard, it, made it very difficult to visualize anything except when I was in it that moment. So um, when I was seven years old, my mother uh, started using crack cocaine and, and she had been on crack cocaine ever since, ever since then. Um, so around Christmas time, I think I was probably around 11 years old at that point. Um, I remember coming home after playing with some of my friends in the neighborhood and nobody would answer the door. So I was knocking on the door and I could hear that my little brothers were on the other side. One was probably was less than a year old at the time. And the other one was probably about four years old. Um, so he, you know, had limited uh, ability to kind of answer the door because there was a bolt at the top. So I remember knocking on the door and nobody would answer and I didn't really realize that what was going on. So I knocked for about 15 minutes, couldn't get in. I could hear the one-year-old who was actually probably maybe about six years, six months at that time. Mm -hmm. I could hear him crying and we lived in a condo on the second floor. So I had to climb up the balcony um, to be able to break into my own house um, and go through the slide door. Um, and when I got into the slide door, I realized that there was, there was nobody there except for my little brothers. Now, at this time, I was kind of used to coming me home and, and maybe my mother wasn't home. So I figured that maybe she would come back the next day. So I waited, you know, the first day and she never came back. And, you know, in my head, I was like, OK, well, you know, that's really not outside of the ordinary because um, anybody that's, that's dealt with an addict know that sometimes addicts have um, what we call missions, right? They would go out on missions mm -hmm. where they would be um, absent from maybe, you know, a couple of days at the time, you wouldn't hear from them, you couldn't find them, and then, you know, they would show up, right. pop up a few days later. So I just figured that this was one of her missions, you know, so I waited, you know, a couple more days to see, you know, that she, if she would come home a couple more days, and this was during Christmas break, so I didn't have school, and she still didn't come home. Um, and the only reason that I actually ended up calling somebody is because, you know, after waiting a few days, um, Christmas came and went and, you know, there was no phone calls, there was no presents and, and there was still no mommy. And um, that, that's how I kind of realized that Santa Claus didn't exist at that point when I was 11 years old. You know, so I, I called my grandmother. Uh, because I was concerned that uh, we were going to run out of food and, and my mom still hadn't come home. So my grandmother, she called for the reinforcements to kind of come back and, and take care of us until we could figure out what was going on with my mom. But I was a child at this point, so they still kind of wouldn't tell me what was happening. They wouldn't tell me what was going on. Um, and I remember 
you know, trying to investigate and trying to listen to adults talking and adults' conversations. And one of my cousins uh, came to visit me. She was a couple of years younger. And, you know, we were so used to the drug culture. <laughs> I remember when she told me uh, what was going on, she came to me as if, you know, she was selling me drugs, like, come here, come here. I got, you know, I got something for you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's the culture that we were so used to at that point. And I was like, what's going on? And she was like, I found out what happened to your mom. And I was like, oh, okay, what happened? And then she was like, you know, she got shot. Oh, like, wow. I was like, she got shot. What? What? You know, like, where did she get shot? Like, what's going on with her? Is she okay? But, you know, she was she was a child, too. She had to be probably no, no older than nine years old at the time. So everything that she got, all the information she got was from listening to grown folks' business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she had limited information. Um, so I, I didn't know whether, you know, my, where my mother was shot at, you know, what type of condition she was in, you know, if I would actually even ever see her again. Um, and later on down the line, I actually found out that my mother was actually shot in the back in a, in a crack cocaine deal that, that went bad. Um, and she became disabled and wasn't able to take care of me and my two little brothers um, anymore at that point. And that's kind of when life pivoted for me dramatically. Um, that's when my, my life started to change from, from that 11-year-old young girl that that really didn't know what was going on. So fast forward, because this is, you know, a 30-minute interview on the podcast. Fast forward. <laughs> About seven or nine years later, at this point, I was in and out of trailer parks. And not because I was living there, but because I was working there. Um, I had been arrested. I had stolen cars, sold drugs. And, and now I was in the sex work industry. And when I say sex work, what I mean is, you know, I was having sex with people for money and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been doing it all through, you know, my, my preteens and teenage years. And um, I, I always knew that I wanted to be an attorney. That was something that I knew ever since I was eight years old, but I never knew exactly how to get there. I didn't know what the path that looked like mm-hmm. for somebody like me because I didn't know any attorneys, first of all, that were black and that were, that were women. I didn't know any of them. But not only did I not know any attorneys that were black or that were women, I didn't know any attorneys, you know, that were that hung in and out of crack houses. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any attorneys that had criminal backgrounds. I didn't know any attorneys that had families um, where everybody there, you know, was addicted to crack cocaine. So I didn't know what that path looked like for somebody um, that was like me. Wow. (laughs) What an amazing story. The fact that you are, that you have survived to even tell the story is a miracle in and of itself. I, I know that definitely you have purpose. I don't, I don't profess to, to believe I'm not naive enough actually to believe that all my listeners are faith based people or faith, you know, faith people or people of faith. But I, 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 I do believe that no matter what you believe, you have to know that when you come from something like you, like your history and you're able to walk through it, live through it, and then come on the other side. I believe that is definitely a testament, number one, to something greater than yourself, you know? Because so many people don't even make it out to be able to tell the story. And then just the the the, the strength and the endurance of the human will, the human spirit. 
And so I personally know that you're going to have to come back <laughs> because there's <laughs> so many juicy nuggets I know that you have that you can share with the listeners. So, so definitely you're going to have to come back because there's so much juice in your story. But I would, I what I think I would like to know, and I think the listeners would be able to appreciate is coming from that place where you had to grow up extremely fast and you're experiencing all of this childhood trauma. Where did you get the vision to, to even say, what, what is it in the mind of an eight-year-old that is surrounded in this um, toxic, to say the least, environment? You didn't have any, any role models. So where did that come from? How did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? And who or what was that thing that was planted inside of you or that person that came alongside of you to give you that vision like where does the vision come from when you're in such a dark place it's it's interesting that you say uh, coming from um a, a dark place and and you and you talk about the resilience because when i was going through the experience it didn't feel like a dark place when when i did my ted talk about a month ago and they introduced me you know they talked about how hard life was before i i transcended to my to my happy place you know when, when i was listening to the introduction i was reflecting on how i felt back then and i i didn't feel like i was going through a struggle. I felt like I was. I felt like I was survive. I was. I, I was proud because I was a survivor. I. I was proud because, you know, I had the strength to survive by any means necessary. My mother gave me some amazing gifts in life. You know, even though she was going through her own struggles, you know, some of the power that comes with, you know, the addiction is that you know how to survive by any means necessary and you know how to survive in any environment. So it always gave me the ability to bounce back no matter what. Right. And one of the things that, um, you know, my family used to kind of joke about is that anytime, you know, you you ran across, you know, a uh, somebody that was addicted to crack cocaine, you know, if, if they asked you for something, you know, they, they didn't understand the words no. Right. Mm -hmm. So they was like, oh, man, can I, let me get a dollar. Let me get a dollar. You said no. They come back the next day. Oh, man, let me get a dollar. Let me get a dollar. You said no. They come back the next day. They'll just keep coming back over That's and over. Resilience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until, until you give it to them. Right. And they, they never seem like their feelings are hurt by you saying no. And I love the fact that my mother taught me, you know, that no doesn't mean no. You know, there I, I never felt like I couldn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Anytime somebody told me no, to me, that only meant that you don't understand what it is that I'm telling you. Let me rephrase it for you so that you can understand the benefit. I never felt like I was not capable of getting what it was that I needed in life to get to the next level. I just, I always tried to find a way to make whoever I was communicating with understand why they needed to accept my offer. Or maybe I needed to rephrase my offer to them in a different way. So there were several times, you know, that that I heard no in my life. There were several times that I heard no. Um, all through 
you know, uh, through school when I was in, in undergrad, through law school, when um, I passed, you know, the bar and I applied, you know, to be an attorney, you know, the first thing that they brought up, okay, you have a criminal record. Okay, you used to be a sex worker. Okay, you know, this happened. You know, we're not sure if we should let you <laughs> become an attorney. You know, and the first thing that, you know, I say, well, maybe you're not understanding what it is that I'm offering you. Let me have a deeper conversation with you so that you understand the benefit that you're getting by allowing me to be admitted to the bar. I think that, you know, the the seeds that were planted was was to never give up. You know, that's the seeds that my mother gave me is that, you know, to, to realize that no never means no. Just find another way to explain to whoever you're talking to why they should say yes to what it is that you're offering. Um, so that was the first seed that was planted. And then also, you know, when, you know, people always talk about mentorship and having somebody, you know, close, you know, that you can mirror and that can lead the way, but that's not really something that you can control in life. You can't control whether you have, you know, attorneys and doctors in your family or in your environment, or even as a mentor, you know, somebody to kind of take your hand and show you the way. Um, and if you don't have somebody that looks like what it is that you're trying um, to be or that you're trying to do and you're relying on having that seed or that mentorship or you know somebody to give you the nugget so that you can get there um, you're allowing your your destiny to be controlled by something outside of your being so I, I never conceded to that you know, I created my own experiences. So I, I created my own pathways. I didn't wait for somebody else to take the path first. Ooh, you know, like, I'm going to I'm going to jump in right there, girl, because you got to slow it down now. You can't you can't just give us all of this good steak and, 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 and want us to eat it. It's so juicy. So I'm going to slow this thing down because I know the listeners are reeling. OK, I absolutely love the fact that you're that no doesn't really mean no. <laughs> that that's amazing that uh, you was you are able to take that life lesson. It, it's so juicy. I really want the listeners to catch what you're saying because what I hear you saying no, I didn't have the perfect background. I didn't grow up with the white picket fence. I didn't grow up with the Air Jordans and the Silver Spoon. You know, I didn't grow up in idealistic circumstances. However, Jay-Z said, it's a hard not life for us. Translation right. to the Bible, it says, all things work together for mm -hmm. the good of those that love that love the Lord. So so I what I hear you saying is that if we pay attention life is always teaching us. Rather is teaching us through adverse circumstances or rather is teaching us through somebody actually coming alongside us and 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 in and guiding us and teaching us inside of a controlled environment. And to me that that exudes resilience because you were able to see the life lessons even in the midst of of a painful situation or what would seemingly be a painful situation 
the fact that you were able to learn from someone's addiction to never give up, girl, you bad. <laughs> so I just really, I just really want to make sure that our listeners are paying attention to what you, to what you just said. You just told us I learned from a crackhead how to never give up. And so, like you said, it there's really no excuse. There's really no excuse. We all get these everyday opportunities. When we wake up in the morning, we all, if we get up at a decent hour, have 24 hours. We all get the same 24 hours in a, in a day. And you can, it, what I hear you saying is it doesn't matter what your circumstances are within that 24 hours. Even if it's hard, if you are open and if you are aware, you can glean something out of the, that 24 hours to propel you forward. Even if it's a hard, even if it comes, um, even if the lesson comes in sandpaper, even if it doesn't come from a smooth transition or a smooth situation. That's right. That's right. We we can't choose our teachers. We can just make the most of them. Got to make sure that we learn that lesson. And every time I went through something in my life, you know, I, because I went through so much, I just learned to take everything as a positive. You know, ever since I was younger, I was always like, okay, well, what is it that I'm supposed to learn from this today? How can I turn this into something that's going to make me money? Or how can I turn this into something that's going to benefit me? You know, so, I mean, nothing was ever a negative. Nothing was ever a bad day. Nothing was ever a bad situation. It was always, it was always, you know, a positive thing for me. And I think that's really what it is. It was like, even though we, I was going through struggles, I've always been an optimist. I remember when... I was with a client who uh, he had to be, and he was like one of these kinky clients. I'm not gonna go into a whole lot of details, but he had, <laughs> he had to be like at least 400 pounds, right? So he would wear these pants that was always too small and the belts were too small. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he, his bottom and his belly looked like an oversized ice cream scoop on top of ice cream. <laughs> you know, and um, he, um, so while we were, you know, interacting, I remember looking up and because his belts were always too tight, like there was, you know, pus and blood and bulls like on his stomach, right below his stomach mm -hmm. and dripping. And I was so disgusted at the time, you know, that I was just in that position, you know, mm -hmm. that, um, I, I made that decision at that moment. I was going to zone out. I remember being like, you know what, I'm just going to zone out and, you know, go to my other place, you know, but then, and, and for some reason at this moment, I just said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to think about things. And I started thinking, I was like, you know what, I either today, I have to make the decision to become an attorney, like I always wanted to do since I've been eight years old. Or I have to kill myself because this is not going to work for me anymore. And and that was really the day that like everything else changed for me, like just just making that decision. And even though even at that moment I was in a really disgusting situation, like I still feel excited about that feeling that I had in my stomach that day, planning out my future as I was laying under somebody that made me want to throw up. <laughs> you know, I was so excited because I knew that that moment was inspiring something else in me. That moment was leading to my greatness because I knew that that was a click for me. Like, okay, you know, I made the decision now 
Now, I just, once you make that decision, all you have to do is figure out the pathway. Whatever that decision is, it could be that you want to be president, you know, whatever it is that you want to be. I try to tell my clients now, don't be limited by what you've seen other people do. Be, you know, go, you know, outside of the box. Don't worry about that. If you, whatever you want to do, if you create it, right. you know, don't try to imitate something else that you saw somebody do, you know, create your own job, create a business that nobody has ever heard of, create a title that just, you just pulled out of your hat and then you define it and you become the leader in that industry, you know? So, um, I mean, just, I, I think it's really been optimism, optimism and the determination to get past. No, I've been told no 999 times and it's okay. I, I still don't, I, I still don't get shook by no today. Well, I want you to give us at least three tips that our listeners can take with them. What are three things that um, you could offer our listeners that they can do right away to be able to step into that place where they're going to walk into resilience, to be able to step right into that place where they can say, you know what, if she can do it, I can do it too. So starting from today, when I hear no, I'm going to that is going to bring this episode of authorized move to a close. As always, we know you could be doing anything anywhere with anyone, but you are choosing to spend this time with us. And for that, we are truly grateful. It's been an amazing episode with my super dope guest, Miss Salah Ward. Guys, she is going to come back and drop some more nuggets of wisdom on us to help us to keep moving forward. Until then, keep moving, guys. Peace.